you know, we were talking about fried dough the other day. I uh, had some soap peas. Mm. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. We were talking about fried dough with some friends. And it truly is a, a cross-pollination, like, it, you know, one of those sort of um, convergent evolution things where everybody just figured out, man, if you fry some dough, mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, thing. you got your your funnel cakes, of course, your beignets, uh, those little your sopapillas, those little sweet rolls at Chinese mm-hmm. restaurants. You even know savory about? like the uh, crispito or the taquito. Yeah, or yeah. even you know, or fry, I mean, bread. Uh, fry bread, fry for bread for sure. Oh, yeah. fry bread um, that can walk on water. Fried mm-hmm. pies, of course. You know, the list goes on. Truly, yeah. uh, noodles pie, I think are no exception. Noodles sort of fit into this. Noodles yeah, correct. are also sort of. I do. I do wonderful. love the noodle. You can fry it or boil it. <sighs> Either True. one is... Or you boil it, then stir-fry Acceptable. Mm-hmm. True. Even great option there. Well, leftover spaghetti, I oftentimes will fry in bacon grease the next day. And... Um, Do like a little stir-fry kind of yeah, thing. Mm-hmm. And it is very not bad. That sounds Interesting. Like you. Yeah. yeah. I like the sound. I was watching... I don't know if you guys have ever watched Good Mythical Morning uh, with Rhett and Link. No. Famous YouTube uh, peoples. Okay. It's YouTube. Um, it's not famous. Move on. It's not true. They it's pro- fundamentally just not true. <laughs> I wish it were. They have at least 150 something thousand people subscribed to their uh, See? PayPal uh, paywalled content. So, oh well, there you go. I guess. So yeah. Uh-huh. We're, uh, you know, I think they're doing better than us. Uh huh. Anyway, uh, they do a bunch of comedy videos. That's how they got famous. But then they created this kind of daily show they do on YouTube. Uh, but they often do food related things. And I watched one uh, recently that was. Uh, Chinese Italian fusions. Okay, that they had their. Uh, uh, they have a like a cooking team, like a, a separate kind of thing, mythical kitchen where they do food stuffs. Mm. Uh, but they did like a. Uh, they did a, a dough, uh, like a bao uh, bun. Okay, uh, with a big Italian meatball inside. Sure, with some marinara. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, like, like a kung, steam bun kind. Yeah. Of, yeah. yeah. And okay. then they did a kung pao chicken ravioli. Okay, that one I'm more dubious. I'm, I'm more dubious a, here. It, it looked real good. I'd try it. Yeah. yeah. So they did. They did a. Uh, they did Italian sub wonton soup. So they filled wontons with all of the Italian sub fillings: salami, ginocchio, capicola. And so the wontons I'm fine with, but turning it into a soup feels like a hat on a hat. Yeah. Yeah. A hat on a hat. Which I've been saying a lot lately. Can't can't get that one out of my brain. Wow. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. But hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genrecast. We don't usually talk about food. Instead, we talk about the films you'll never discuss in a film studies course. Today, we continue with our uh, series of coincidences of Cohen Brothers inflected, influenced, and otherwise um, sort of... Uh, Tales? Connected, Cohen-esque things. And we're looking at a woman, a gun, and a noodle shop. Is that, it sounds like a bad joke setup. It does sound like a bad joke setup. Or nationally known as uh, a simple noodle story. Yeah, I, that's. I think actually what Dustin said is the international title, and I think yep. a simple noodle story is like the direct yep. translation of the original title. Yeah, yeah. that makes Which sense. Which is much so. more of a tip of the hat to the original source material. Well, it's simple. Yeah, it yep. is, and I think a better title. Probably. Yes. I think a simple noodle yeah. story, better title, and again, it rolls off the tongue. Tip of the hat to the original. I I, I like those sort of threes. It that, just makes me think of a guy, girl so in a pizza random. shop. You know, it's just I know that that's like I'm a just so thankful a Ryan, flash in the pan sitcom, but yeah, just so thankful Ryan Reynolds didn't show up here as Lee. Thank God, oh, man, he's everywhere would, these days. Though, unfortunately, if this movie was made any later, there's a good chance he shows up. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Hawking Mint Mobile. <laughs> Well, in case you're tuning in for the very <laughs> first time to uh, this show, this is an analysis show, not a review show. And that does mean we're going to spoil the end of, I guess, both Blood Simple and this, um, as they may or may not share 
some DNA with one another, uh, narratively speaking. But we'll avoid that for the first part of the show. We'll have a synopsis, which will be spoiler-free. Then we'll have thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews, which will simply say this movie's about, you know, a woman, a gun, and a noodle shop. And then, right? Yeah. does the things. And it's just a lot. It's a lot. Very it, fast. It's very many. Woman, a gun, and a noodle shop. Woman, a gun, and a noodle shop. I need to get into auctioneering. Anyhow, um, after that, we will move on to a little game called Expanding the Syllabus, which might involve the mildest of spoilers of this film or other films in its orbit. We'll let you know as we get there, but it's more gentle in the spoiler way there than what happens after we get down to business when there's music that plays to let us all know that all spoiler bets are off. So there you go, dear listener. You have been warned. Without any further ado, Dr. Reverend Arthur Gordon, please delight us with your synopsis. Uh, so this is coming from IMDb. Uh, I, I thought this was a nice, succinct way to put it. The owner of a Chinese noodle shop schemed to murder his adulterous wife and her lover goes awry. Correct. Yes. This is it. Yes. It's a bar in Blood Simple, right? Yes. 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 That's what I thought. It's a bar, yeah. yeah. That's what I remembered. Okay. Dan Hyeda. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just a good actor. Sorry. A lot of ceiling fans in my back room. A lot of ceiling fans. Well, you know it's Texas. Less ceiling fans in this film. Blowing yeah. hot air down yeah. to the other hot air. Still a little gun. Yes. Yes. The connective tissue. It's interesting where this film like deli- you know it where it zigs and where it zags. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it is like pretty faithful. If you've seen Blood Simple, you know what's gonna happen in this movie. Yeah, yeah, this movie is that movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, I kept waiting for it to zag more than it did. And it never did, but it does kind of like make some interesting, you know, beers to, mm-hmm. to into doing its own thing. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Let's do talk about that in terms of review, whether we like or don't like a, a woman, a gun and a noodle shop. What do you say, Dalton? Do you like it? Yeah, it's fine. It's good. Uh, it passes. OK, moving Mission on. accomplished. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's maybe too similar to Blood Simple. But like mm-hmm. if I had never seen Blood Simple, I'd be thinking, oh, this is cool. Um, and it is, it does feel like it's its own thing. You know, it's, it's definitely doing more of a burn after reading tone than a blood simple tone. It definitely feels like it owes more to later Cohen than early Cohen work. Um, especially in the ways in which it's trying to kind of thread together screwball and thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love the look of this movie, um, from, with, you know, direction from, um, our, thank you from hero. Um, I, that's to be expected. I think the art direction on this is pretty spectacular. Cool costumes, uh, cool sets, uh, just good photography, really great landscape photography in this. Um, so yeah, good looking film, uh, exciting in terms of, you know, a cool, uh, ad- adulterous classic n- noir story transposed to, I don't know the era, but like a middle, middle e- medieval Gonshu province. Like, yes, that's cool. Uh, again, I don't I don't know my Chinese history well enough to be able to guess an era on like when it's supposed to be. But, you know, people have swords and trade with the Portuguese is new. So probably like 1500s. So yeah. maybe Renaissance era. Yeah, yeah. I, I say Renaissance we're, if we're using the Western clock. They have guns and yeah. trade enough to get guns. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, transposing it from like 80s small town Texas to this era is like a cool, fun twist. I, you know, it definitely feels like a story that if they try to tell it in modern day China, there'd be too many, too much censorship preventing them from telling a story of this many people doing this many things they shouldn't do. Um, always, always kind of wonder more. I need, we need to find for this show some good, um, what's the word, contemporarily set mainland Chinese thrillers and stuff. I'm, I'm very... Stay tuned. Yeah. Okay, cool. Good. Uh, anyway, though, I, this is a pass for me, but, you know, not with flying colors. I think Hero is a much more interesting film. This this filmmaker definitely has more vital material. Uh, but if you like, you know, going down the Cohen coaching tree, I think this is a, a useful material 
for sure. What about you, Arthur? Are you kind of you? I think we both gave it three and a half on Letterboxd. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if I rated it, but yeah, I'm I'm coming in right there. Probably maybe even a little cooler just because I watched it a week ago and I've already mm-hmm. kind of forgotten chunks of it. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Uh, I I do think you're right. I think visually, uh, especially when I think he moves. Uh, kind of straying from the materials when it's at its most interesting. I, mm-hmm. I think, kind of like you, it, it does become a bit slavish at times. There are there are times where I'm really interested in, this, in how are they going to do this beat in this setting, and I think that's the cool thing about doing this and taking this adaptation to kind of reframing it into the past. I mean, it's a very primal story, right? It's man, woman, sex, violence. I mean, that's a very primal kind of thing. And I think they're very smart in the ways in which they line up those beats, so it's very familiar. We know they're coming. And it's interesting to see how they play out. Mm. I think there are times where it's just a little too intentionally designed to hit those beats. Uh, and there are other times where it's doing it. So, I mean, this opens kind of like you mentioned with that more madcap style of absurdist things that we see from the Coens later. Uh, but it opens with this big, silly uh, sequence where she does buy the gun from the the traders. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the town's folk come through looking for who shot the cannon. Yeah, there's, like, there's all gag. this yeah. goofball stuff kind of happening. Uh, we get the two sidekicks who are... are Co-workers who were kind of the goofy oddballs. Yeah. They're in their whole their own, own thing. Yeah, they're in their own movie until it's too late for them to get they're out of the other movie. After reading. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> for real. I mean, yeah. that's really what's <laughs> happening. Um, and so I think there's some really fun stuff there. And, and I think a lot of the visual flair when it's being used well uh, is really cool. This there has this there's this weird thing where it's got this because of the set of the the noodle shop this kind of square mm-hmm. uh, where everything happens. Everything about this kind of feels very boxed in in a very interesting way, the way it's shot, the way movement happens. And I think that's a really cool way to do this. Um, and I like uh, kind of our, you know, I, I don't know if anybody's name. Wang is the shop owner. Mm-hmm. And that's about Lee. And I think Wang's wife is how she's credited. And then we've got the um, cop detective who is hired to do the deed. Not um, Emmett Walsh. Yeah, not M. Emmett Walsh. Um, and I think. Everybody here is really fun. I think everybody's good at what they're doing. Uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, I, I just think I, I do wonder how it would play without seeing Blood Simple. Um, For I, sure. And I really just kind of wish I think Yimu had stuck more to his um, flair to kind of do all of it instead of just certain parts of it uh, and not feeling maybe beheld to hit all of the beats, but or hit them in a very similar way. So. Uh, it's, it's okay. It's good. It's fine. I'm yeah. a Dalton. Nian really is credited as Wang's wife. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That is wild. Whatever, y'all. Well, Dustin. Uh, I didn't make the movie. What did you think? <laughs> I like it. Um, I think it's a lot of fun because I do like the extra uh, comedy that adds. Mm-hmm. You know, we mentioned Emmett Walsh uh, just a minute ago, and I do like him better as the smarmy detective as opposed to this sort of very, very silent, conniving, conniving, yeah. plotting, you know, soldier character that we have here. Zhang, I think is his name. And yeah, yeah. He's a much more conventional sort of like police captain. Yeah, type. I'm, I'm just a bad guy doing bad guy things, and he plays yeah. everything close to his vest, and there's none of, there's none of that greed. Greasiness mm-hmm. that that Walsh yeah, has. Walsh is crazy like a fox. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and this guy's just like, oh, I got a plan, and I'll do the stuff. And and you go, oh yeah, well, this is gonna work, and it's gonna mm-hmm. be. And so you sort of see him doing his plan, but there's no talking about. It. There's no him trying to you know be solicitous uh, to get people on his side, or there's no way in which you know even the trick. There's a, there's a major trick that happens in this movie, in this movie that also happens in Blood Simple, and the trick is sort of just like, and here's the thing, see, told you, and uh, there's a little bit of negotiation. He just asks for more money, and it's, I mean, there's 
there's none of that just if you want me to do the thing I'm not going to do the thing unless you pay me more there's none of that you know Papa needs a new pair of shoes kind of stuff that you would get out of an Anna mm-hmm. Walsh does that make sense yeah and, and I, I really do think that is probably as close as I can say to a miss piece I will say Kung Fu noodle making is incredible and I love it really um, cool stuff Persian sword demonstrations also incredible Sick. I'm there for it and uh, just the uh, that western Chinese landscape that we get to see that's uh, in that sort of middle section of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, that mm-hmm. that Gobi Desert little chunk there. I love that painted desert landscape, mm-hmm. and uh, the camera mm-hmm. really does a good job of mm-hmm. finding that and making good use of it. And I, I, I do love the silliness of it. I, I like how, and I forget what the guy's name is in Blood Simple, um, our um, actor or the character name for the, the the guy that's sleeping with the wife. Carl. That Carl. sounds right. Carl. We're going to go with Carl. Frank. He's Lee in this. It, yeah. Just L.I. Lee. Lee. Oh, yeah. that's right. But I, I, I like how goofball sensitive he is yeah. and uh, just... The, the sort of foppishness of that character is, is, is really fun. And so there, there are some choices and some changes that are made. It does seem that uh, Mrs. Wang is doing more to, you know, sort of get her story moving along as, as opposed to just sort of trying to get away as, as is the case in Blood Simple. So I, I do prefer, and again, all my, see how all my reviews just comparison. It's, I know, because right? It's hard not to. It is very, very, very dependent on the material. But we do this all the time. You know, think about your girl with the dragon tattoo, Swedish version versus the English oh, version. Oh, I've got a little syllabus for you tucked away that we can use here in oh, a moment. Oh, more on that later, dear listener. But yeah. yeah. There's a way in which, you know, there's a, a sense in which remakes of this sort are kind of always unnecessary however of themselves doing their own thing you can sort of see their individual excellences Mm -hmm. and i do think there is again there's there's a beauty in the cinematography there is a, a silliness and a fun that it's able to capture in sort of making this kind of it doesn't. It doesn't come off noirish at all in the same way that Blood Simple does. The mm. the, the the view of a, a woman, a gun, in a noodle shop isn't doesn't feel in any sense like a country noir. Um, it, it it feels more like just you know this is a madcap plot kind of going madcap everywhere, and that's fine and kind of fun and very enjoyable. I'm glad I watched it, and so it's a good time. But is it's not as compelling. I will say, as the Cohen's earlier effort. And I think uh, Yang, uh, Zhang Yimou would say the same thing. He would also concur that this is a slight kind of in-between movies effort uh, and uh, a real departure for him uh, from his ordinary kind of style and kind of seriousness in his filmmaking. So that all checks out for me. So yeah, like it a lot. So there you go, dear listener. Our feelings are generally pro. We're going to move on to the part of the show, though, where we expand the syllabus. And Arthur's going to tell you what that's all about. Uh, expanding the syllabus is a thought experiment uh, where we uh, deliver on the promise of the premise. And we, the hosts, we're going to assemble academic courses uh, or modules within courses based around the assigned viewing for the week uh, with any adjacent texts, including books, articles, games, music, whatever you like to uh, bring out the themes and ideas uh, in our syllabi. Very good. I like donuts. Can I use donuts? You can. Okay, good. Yeah. The donuts hole in the donuts hole. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that was the worst Benoit Blanc you've ever heard. (laughs) I don't know. I had fun with it personally. Arthur, are you prepared? (laughs) Do you have a syllabus prepared for you? Yeah, I I think the thing I really want to pick out here is the uh, I like the idea of the adaptation out of time. Mm. Um, I really like this idea of taking a a movie set in what was the modern time, but in the 80s and transplanting that back in time. I think it's really cool to be able to 
find a, a way again to be able to hit those beats, find those themes and make them plausibly fit into a different time setting. Now, I, I, I put together this list and most of these are modern set mm-hmm. based off of classic stories okay. and have just updated them, right? And which is something we're and I was having a hard time finding others like this where mm-hmm. we flip it. Sure. Because we do think. the Shakespeare all the time. Yeah. Yeah. With I mean, the, he's the or big biblical one. illusions. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it was hard for me to find other modern tales that have been flipped Mm -hmm. that that I could find in my searching. It was also hard to Google search that without just getting a bunch of the best adaptations types of listicles. Uh, So anyway, we're going to start with the Shakespeare thing because that's the most noted. Uh, But one that I I start with here, and uh, this is the one I think may show up on Dalton's list. I don't know, but it's Ron. Uh, Kira Kurosawa's Ron. Nice. Yeah. Um, Which is the King Lear, uh, which transplanted. And and he makes that in the 80s, right, Yeah, 85, yeah. Uh, And when is it? Is it set... After the 1600s or before 1600s? Oh, I'd say it's in the 1600s. It's, so it's kind of similarly set. Very, very 17th century. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's a fun place to start because, again, another tale of kind of power and family and legacy and how that can transplant to different cultures in different times is interesting. Uh, and then I went with 10 Things I Hate About You. This is kind of the other common Shakespeare one that gets brought up a lot uh, sure. with the Taming of the Shrew. Uh, but, to, you know, be able to set these into a the teen comedy genre, I think, is really clever. Uh, uh, we would look at the Coens. We'd look at O Brother or Art Thou, which is based loosely on the Odyssey. Uh, and so taking this Greek myth and setting it in the American South is uh, really interesting. And be able to find those parallels and kind of retain this mythological fantastical component to it while also doing something uh, really fun and kind of grounded there is interesting. Uh, we would look at Clueless uh, based off of Emma and Jane Austen. Nice. Again, you know, transplanting this uh, very stuffy piece into something very uh, American and very 90s uh, with uh, Lisa Silverstone is a lot of fun. We'd look at She's All That and we would talk about Pygmalion and George Bernard Shaw and, mm-hmm. and how that uh, a story that's been done a number of times in movies and on TV mm-hmm. uh, just kind of a classic uh, plot line mm-hmm. there to take the quote unquote ugly duckling and make her normal. Uh, and so I think she's all that's a fun way to look at that. And then we would look at the recent anime bell, uh, which nice. takes the classic French fairy tale of beauty and the beast and, and updates it for this anime, very technological cyber world of people being online oh, fun. and stuff. And so, and that's what I think is actually big, uh, a, a big favorite of uh, one of our friends, Taylor, uh, who, who talks about quite a bit. And so I think that is, Another one I would look at and see how can we take these stories that may not seem like they could still work or could still be and do something really unique with them. You I mentioned where we'd go. Bell, which I haven't seen, but I actually have seen an anime series all the way through more than once. It's called Gankutso, which is the Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, fun! And uh, okay. but also this sort of high tech cyber, you know, multi cool. multi interplanetary kind yeah. of worlds, and uh, very very interesting animation yeah. style as well. But yeah. I, lo- I love that idea. That's really, really fascinating, Arthur. So that's what we would do with it, though. Nice. Very cool. Um, hey, Dalton, you got a syllabus ready there, buddy? Yeah, and as alluded to, it's not too dissimilar to Arthur's. I'm, I'm more interested in, in this adaptation thing, but strictly international adaptations, uh, a film being copied over from a film from another country. Uh, the, the U.S. loves to do this. Dustin already mentioned Fincher's Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, uh, which was sort of dead on arrival, uh, too expensive, didn't make enough money. Did they really think they were going to get through all three of those books? Try to do take another swing at it with a new actor and Keith Stanfield. Um, oh, God. What is her name? That, the replaced Rooney Mara from the, the damn crown show. Yeah. I like her, but she's on that yeah. show about the crowns and I couldn't care less. There has been a girl who played with fire movie. Uh, 
No, it was no, girl who they kicked did. the hornet. No, it was based after the Stieg Larsson's trilogy. <laughs> yeah, it's after Stieg's. It's so, one of the, like the you know because there's more novels after Stieg's three. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Okay. Yeah, it's same with you know Bond or sure. I mean, anything that became sufficiently big. They have somebody continue Can't it. Any of those sort of. And yeah. it's one of those. It's like the fourth. What's one. What's that character's name? Uh, Elizabeth Salander. Yeah. Lisbeth. Yeah, they come with like Elizabeth Salander novels. Is kind of how they become marketed. Yeah. Yeah, Girl with the Spider's Web. Oh. Uh, Claire Foy. Claire Foy. Jesus, no. thank you. Wowzers. Yeah, I, again, didn't I even know that I happened. cannot make space in my brain. From Fede Alvarez. Yeah, oh, Fede Alvarez is the director. That's right. Yeah, another Dead on Arrival film. Mm-hmm. Uh, might as well not exist. That's too bad. I know that there are some people who kind of like it. Uh, but anyway, I, that's an interesting one. Of course, you let the right one in and let me in. Uh, another yeah. notable English language remake. Uh, we, we really got into adapting uh, Scandinavian stuff in the 2010s. Yeah. Kind of a weird era. Um, this sort of predates that is sort of us getting into remaking, um, you know, East Asian films and uh, definitely, you know, why not? Let's play around with Spike Lee's uh, disowned old boy and mm-hmm. Park Chan-wook's old boy, uh, but also Infernal Affairs mm-hmm. and The Departed, uh, you know, taking a deeply Buddhist film and making it a deeply Catholic film, tying in Whitey Bulger. And again, I think when these types of movies are at their best, they use cultural specificity to kind of bring out the themes that are already there and go, okay, well, that's their take on it. Let's take make our own take on it. And I think, I wish there were more examples of uh, things like uh, 2013's Unforgiven, which is a remake of 1992's Unforgiven set in the Meiji era starring Ken Watanabe. Yes. What? From Korean-Japanese director Lee Sang-il. Yeah, uh, I think we great. should talk about it on the show at some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, they did a they did a Unforgiven set in Meiji, Japan. Hmm. Yeah. And that sounds sick. Man, that sounds like a whole marathon right there. Right? This, but in yeah, Asia. Yes. Exactly. Okay, so, and, and again, cool. uh, the Hollywood loves to do this, and that would probably be a big focus of the class, but with more research time, yeah, I think we could find more examples of American films being adapted yeah, I know elsewhere. There's, I don't remember if it's, I want to say it's maybe Japan or China. Uh, there is an international uh, adaptation of What Women Want. The yeah, there's a ton of What Women Want yeah. adaptations. Yeah. So, it's, I think it's like I one of the I assume it just adapted. gets a bit more publicized when we do it because it's Hollywood. Sure. Right. But yeah. Because India adapts stuff all the yeah. time. I think they're Star Wars and Spider-Man. And like Batman's they don't care about rights. Yeah. yeah. So I know that's a whole a industry. Yeah. yeah. But I, again, I, I definitely, there, this is fertile ground and I, I think it is an interesting path to take in trying to find a story is trying to, you know, take one culture's spin on a story and, and transplant it. Mm-hmm. And again, some of these are more successful than others, but uh, I think they're all interesting, if nothing else. Yeah. Dustin, how would you teach a gun, a girl, and a noodle shop? I think I would do it in a film history class, maybe in an, a world cinema history class, or maybe in a, you know, just a more general kind of history course and uh, talk about the various generations of Chinese filmmaking. There's this, uh, Zhang Yimou is an example of fifth generation Chinese filmmaking, which comes directly after the fourth generation, because that's how numbers work. Mm, I've forgotten. I'm very observant right there. And the fourth generation is the generation that makes films under the thumb of the Maoist Cultural Revolution, where there's sort of really heavy censorship and uh, real sort of ideological police at work to see that the film's take on a very, very specific kind of shape and form and support particular mm-hmm. kinds of ideologies, which gave rise as uh, the, the the Cultural Revolution began to uh, crumble, um, what's called the scar dramas. And the scar dramas are talking about the drama of censorship. 
So mm. think about um, kind of like uh, it's not the same, but you know the plot of the lives of others. Sure, I was I've had a feeling you were about to invoke. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like those under, are Chinese lives of others almost. Kind of, yeah, 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 something like that. And dramas kind of set in that era. And, of, and a lot of these okay. fourth generation guys make that, and these fifth generation guys come out. They come out of film school, and so mm-hmm. there's a lot of that sort of new Hollywood, same kind of energy that's coming in there. They're they're very very much film school trained filmmakers, and Zhang Yimou is one of those, and. Uh, Chen uh, Kage is another one uh, that's really kind of important for this fifth generation. And so I, I think I just used those two particular directors, several other directors that are really fascinating there. But I think their films would be helpful here. We could look at Farewell My Concubine. We could look at uh, Raise a Red Lamp. Uh, Farewell My Concubine is by Chen Kage. Um, and then we could look at uh, Raise a Red Lantern and Red Sorghum. Um, Kage's also got a film called uh, Yellow Earth, which is really quite good. And these films are again in some ways breaking forth from some of the shackles of that censorship and also sort of meditating on some of the same kinds of ideas as well but all of that sort of gives rise to the sort of nexus of this cultural moment and then once the 90s roll around of course Jimmy is making movies like Hero which is one of my favorite movies of all time but this film I think is really fascinating because it is very much like I have influence from the West and I am sort of um uh, very much flagging that Western influence. Mm. And you see that the Coens and Scorsese and some of these other filmmakers are really, really influential, uh, from America especially, on these filmmakers, and they're no longer hiding it. And so part of, I think, the the, the politics of the film existing in the first place is here is a beat-for-beat beat plot of a Western film mm. done in our culture because there is interplay between the culture, sort of making a, a, a global uh, community kind of argument uh, just by existing as a film. And so I think that would be an interesting way to situate uh, a woman, uh, a gun, and a noodle shop. I have to think what the list is hmm. every time I say the name of this movie. I, hey, it's part of why I've said a simple noodle story a couple times. <laughs> I refuse. Um, but that's, I think that's a way to talk about that. By the way, there is a sixth generation as well already. Okay. Um, uh, G.I. Janki is uh, sort of one of the major sort of workers there. Uh, the World is an incredible little movie uh, mm. from him. He's very, very well known. He's in some documentary film as well, or a quasi-documentary film um, that's been pretty fascinating. And then uh, Bygone uh, is another sort of up-and-coming kind of guy. I guess he might even count as a... He's, he'd be young mm. if he's sixth, if he's not seventh. I think they're going to have to give up this generation's label at some point. Probably. But this is where we are right now in that little bit of Chinese. Do you know at all where these sort of ultra-nationalistic blockbuster action movies that they're making that are kind of like turning into worldwide phenomenons. Do you you know much about where those fit into this sort of... They would still be with... I mean, so the Generations is just time stamps. That's kind of what I figured. Right. Yeah, I didn't think it had any like larger, like formal sort of stamp. No, I mean, you you generally sort of apply those to these more independent, more sort of singular kind of voices. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking um, Great Wall... Uh, if memory serves, mm-hmm. Great Wall was directed. Oh man, I want to look. I it know, up. and there's like two that I'm from like recent years that I'm trying to think of that I can't remember the titles of. One's like got a sequel. It's like Lone Wolf Squad or something like that. And there's like two of Red them. Red Cliff and Great Wall are both directed by the same guy. I want to say. And the ones I'm thinking of are more like Oh Zhang Yimou. Yeah, they are uh, Zhang Yimou. It is Zhang Yimou. Yeah, the, the, who also did this and who Hero. also did this. So nice. yeah, who I, that, did I, I, Great I, Wall I, and uh, what was the other one you said? Uh, Red Cliff. Red Cliff. Okay, yeah, and so a one. number of these huge like uh, very very. Western kind of blockbusters are making this stuff as well. And then they're making Shadow and House of the Flying Daggers and all that stuff as well. So, 
it's it's a wild wild time. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad that you found that real quick because I was like I was always shocked and surprised because Redcliffe and um, uh, Great Wall don't seem to be the same kind of thing for this kind of filmmaker. Well, I mean, yeah, the fun the funny thing about Great Wall when it came out, you know, everybody just immediately said white savior narrative at the marketing, mm-hmm. and no one really realized, oh, this is a huge Chinese production that they just brought Matt Damon into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got Matt was, Damon because we want uh, Americans to come appeal. see this movie. Yeah. 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 We're just but it's very away. much a just like when we plug Chinese, Chinese stars into, yeah. you know, American the Meg, stories, which yeah. the Meg was highly designed to be a big player in China. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you bring in an A-list Chinese star. Yeah, Black and, yeah. Another one, which didn't pan out as well. But. Yeah. But it's a big, dumb ball of fun, too, though. It's a really, really good time. Great right. Wall is. Great Wall. We'll probably yeah. do it on the show someday. Yeah, I think it, it'd be a blast. That would make it's, sense. It's Starship Troopers, in, yeah. you know, in the medieval period. Because there's, like, monsters sure. raiding the wall, right? Or right. something. Yeah. 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 I'm in. Here for it. Cool. And Matt Damon. And Matt Damon. I love sure. him. Isn't Cusack also in that, or is that a different movie? I'm not aware of a Cusack. Uh, okay, this has Matt movie. Damon, Pedro Pascal, Willem Dafoe. Okay. Dafoe's the old... Uh, the Andy Lau. That's man. What, Andy Lau's in it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. All right, well, I guess... I guess it's time to get down to business. It's business. It's business time. I know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. It's business. <laughs> I mean, we could keep talking about The Great Wall. We could, which is... Or these stupid movies. If anybody listening knows what I'm talking about, please please let us know. Yeah. It's driving me crazy. There's, like, another one that's, like, about the lake or the South China Sea or something. I just, I, I can see the poster in my mind. It's got like a battleship on it, but there's, it was like the highest grossing movie of 21 mm. for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it globally, I mean, uh, but there were like two the battle res- at Lake Chingling. There it is. Thank God. And that's, that one's, uh, um, yeah, if you look at the worldwide grocers over the last few years, there's always a Chinese entry. Usually yeah, there's that, that space one, I think as cash, well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this one's like, I think based on, you know, a Korean war mm. uh, moment where, uh, the red army turned back the U S army or something. Mm. Um, this one was kind of a big deal. It was part of like the centennial or the, the 50th anniversary. So I looked it up one time because I think it came up on another syllabus, but mm. I, this is all worth talking about because we are talking about mainly in Chinese cinema, right? Which, which is, is different, different from Hong, Hong Kong. Kong. Yeah. Right. Hey, there we go. Our, our guy, Wong Kar Wai. Um, who else? Who are some other big HK filmmakers? Uh, um, Johnny R- Toe. Uh, well, I mean, ta- or, and the, or well, Johnny Toe's Hong Kong, right? He's not uh, Johnny Toe's. Yeah. Um, I always I, forget if he's Hong Kong or mainland. Well, and I was thinking, you know, we also, you know, the way in which we combine Hong Kong and Taiwan, they sort of, share the same kind of independence so Ang Lee mm-hmm. comes to mind in that conversation and there's mm-hmm. a, a weird kind of cross-pollination that comes on between those mm-hmm. uh, two different sets of filmmakers uh, this is the film um, of you know um, I was going to say Angela Mao and that's not who I mean I mean she just won the Academy Award oh Michelle Yao Michelle Yao good lord my brain just absolutely was not going to not happen for you today information no, it's today. okay um, but yeah this is that cinema and this is mainland Chinese and this is just a very very different bird here and so uh, with that um, there is more of that party control mm-hmm. and uh, that is it's, it's just a different animal and so it's a, just interesting uh, to think about let's talk about the movie itself and uh, what we can sort of pull analytically well, let's from. talk adaptation okay. we've already started doing some comparisons so I think it's interesting to start noting where it deviates. One of the big deviations is that kind of madcap comedy uh, burn after reading thing that it does mm-hmm. with the two side characters who replace our bartender from Blood Simple, where he is just kind of there, stays out of everybody's way, and just wants to do his job. Mm-hmm. Here, they are very actively trying to get 
uh, Wang's safe open so that they can get paid for uh, not getting funds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Money that they are owed, yes. Yeah. But yeah, they have this whole kind of caper going on secondary as a B-plot that you're right. It just doesn't really exist within Blood Simple as I can... I can't really think of any... No. Yeah, I can't even think of like a, a sort of similar B-plot. It really is its own thing. And, you know, ends in the death of that one character. Yeah. Um, quite violently. Like yeah. maybe yeah. the most violent death in the movie. Very kind of troubling. Yeah. Um, I felt bad for him. I, did, I mean, I think you're supposed to, right? Yeah. He's kind of this lovable sort of oaf and uh, simple oaf. Yeah. Which I, if you, it wasn't clear, we gave him a goofy haircut and buck teeth. If you hadn't picked up on him being an oaf, where it's that kind of movie. I mean, the buckiest teeth. Uh huh. They're really like painting with a broad brush. Inches. It's they're very bucky. Great. I mean, he do be looking like Bucky's mascot. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he do be. Uh, it's truly bananas. Uh, just that kind of it's it's weird that it that tone exists with the tone of something that is a pretty straight remake of blood simple it, it yeah. is interesting in the ways in which it's trying to do like two different kinds of cohen movie at once well it, i mean again it opens with a very absurd high comedy mm-hmm. goofy opening and i was like i am here for this yeah, yeah. let's do it and then it does become very straight laced at times mm-hmm uh, and does it, I don't think it can ever ride that line where it wants to in a way that makes sense. Anytime he has to kind of go back to the beats of Blood Simple, it, it loses its kind of flavor, I think, in that way. Yeah, well, we, oh, it, one of the things it does, I think, really well, though, in achieving sort of uh, maybe an elevated kind of experience is, you know, we, we talked about um, just how good it looks in mm-hmm. the landscape. But yeah. it really, it is a single location film. Uh, and uh, that's assuming that the basement is not is is located sure. in the the which may be a separate yeah, stage. Yeah, we have like the noodle shop and then the road. Those yeah, are and, kind of the two places the, we're at. And well, the basement of the noodle yeah, shop, which yeah, may yeah. be a separate location. I mean, it really is evocative of Blood Simple, of Raising Arizona, of next week's film. Not to tip our hats too much, it, of both Cohen's films and Cohen esque films in that the surroundings feel so consuming. Mm-hmm. There is no way out. And that's mm. that's why these plots function the way they do, because the characters are desperate for a way out of their situation, and there is no hope coming. Right. They're going to have to make it themselves. Yeah. But I was going to say, despite its sort of cheapness in that sense, and sort of limited location, you know, limited cast and whatnot as a film, it is gorgeously set decorated oh, yeah. and costumed. Yeah. And I, again, this is where sort of Zhang Yimou comes in as I am a filmmaker and I do this kind of, you know, this kind of work. And even though this is kind of a, a, a fun joke of a movie, just, you know, it's a good time. We'll do this thing. It'll be, a, we'll. That, that, that seems to be the logic mm-hmm. behind the production of a film like this. They, they're not sloughing anywhere along. It's like, yeah, we can do this for cheap by filming all here and doing it in a couple weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we're going to definitely get the costuming department out and we're going to make some great stuff here. And we're going to we're going to choreograph some incredible scenes uh, for this either noodle kung fu or actual fighting kung fu. Mm-hmm. And man, I just I just love that about doing one of those kind of weekend kind of movies. You know, I think a lot about the sort of um oh the the you know you hear the stories of these kinds of movies where uh, over a weekend they write it and it's really well written and then of course production takes a little bit more time and uh the sort of legend going around cabin in the woods kind of works this way that drew goddard and joss whedon just sort of sat down and wrote the thing out and then they made it really really quick or joss whedon's uh, much much ado ado about nothing you know i was thinking about that one yeah Yeah, these sort of just we're gonna film this at my place on a weekend and uh, that movie is um the only reason why it works aesthetically is because they choose to shoot black and white to hide Mm -hmm. the fact nothing matches i'm Uh, trying to think there's one that just came up recently 
I'm listening to the ringers doing this, how Hollywood made the Vietnam war movie mm-hmm. or uh, podcast. And it's, I think it's either first blood, like the original screenplay for first blood, or maybe even, um, deer hunter. I'm trying to remember. There's one that was like a three day script that oh, had yeah. this kind of similar, like quick knocked it out. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was deer hunter, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> cause that movie, I mean, no, that's insane. And Chimino is a madman. Some yeah. really fun Chimino stories on this podcast. Uh, hmm. really? I, yeah. Do we get to win this time? Not that the ringer needs my help, but, uh, pretty good content over yeah. there. Um, anyway. But this movie is one of those one of those kinds of movies, and yet, you know, despite that sort of production thing, it does it it feels like it's more effort put into than you would experience in a Much Ado or something like that. Yeah, that makes for sense. Sure. I mean, you know, they've got these really cool uh, shots towards the climax of the film where the the police captain's shooting arrows into the noodle shop. It's like, you know, what this this moment could really use. We shot a freaking arrow through a water uh, bladder. Wouldn't that be sick? If mm-hmm. We just blew up a, a canteen. Wouldn't that be cool? How about some pottery? Wouldn't we made that explode? <laughs> it's like, yeah, that would be sick. It would be Please sick. Please do that. Let's do it in slow motion. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Do it Do it twice. Uh, yeah, no, it's you're right, though, that it's... The money's on screen, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. feel mm-hmm. slapdash, even if it is sort of a kind of a loose experiment of a yeah. film. Yeah. Uh, there's also some big characterization shifts, I think, especially with who is titled, credited as Wang's wife mm-hmm. here. Uh, her presentation is kind of different than McDormand's. Yes, by simple. a lot. Yeah. Uh, McDormand always comes off a little bit more naive and empathetic, I think, in a way that maybe Wang's wife doesn't. It's in interesting. In a few different ways. It's a different situation, right? Yeah. yeah, Francis McDormand's in sort of this loveless relationship that yeah. and is And her husband's is not running around cutting out uh, the faces of children from paintings. Yeah. Yeah. Her husband is like less overtly nefarious, but is still like kind of abusive. And like yeah. we, we, we're not really sure like what the early relationship was like in Blood Simple. In this film, it's laid out pretty clear that Wang purchased her. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, people tell her she's lucky that she has a rich husband and, like, nobody really knows, like, the crap she's putting up with behind the scenes. Other than Lee, who's lancing her Her blisters. Yeah. Jesus. From his opium pipe? Uh, Maybe. Yeah. There's an opium pipe that's a the lighter it's huge and long and i only i associate that with the smoking of opium i yes. you know i don't i don't know about tobacco consumption in china i i don't i'm dumb it is uh, everything a, i know is from film <laughs> yeah it is opium that they're smoking i thought it was i didn't i didn't think it was tobacco no i don't i don't you don't think of a tobacco hype pipe getting quite that hot you know to really i oh, guess it could yeah, yeah well, i mean it was still bl- blister somebody but still also more nefarious to have him being an op- opium user there's just something you know what, because of, you know, sort of societal, especially, uh, you know, they've got their whole own history with, yeah. with it, you know, that's different from our stuff. But like it is kind of a shorthand for this person is of questionable moral character. Yes. Uh, because, you know, pretty cross-cultural. Well, and issues. that is one of the major shifts. This is not a off the rails in it for himself private detective. This is a dirty cop. Yeah, in this film as well, mm-hmm. and so that is that's a significant sort of anti-authoritarian kind of shift. You that's know, true. Again, I didn't think know, about that. Thinking about this sort of you know situating them as fifth generation filmmakers, that's that I think that's a factor that's kind of important there. It also kind of become questions of masculinity, I think, as well, because you've already alluded to Lee's sort of characterization here as more of a bumbling mm-hmm. of. You know, She's she kind of fop, a dandy. Yeah, yeah, she kind of reprimands him for not standing up to Wang mm-hmm. to defend her honor, um, and he is just sort of running around all loosey goosey here to to do things. And there also becomes a point where if they don't explicitly tell us, you could almost make the argument they're not having an affair. He's just really good friends with her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where we never see them 
in any kind of intimate way other than where he is landing her boils, but he falls asleep under the wagon mm. instead of with her in the wagon. And so there are these kind of little things there Which that aren't I, as explicit. Doesn't the cop say he sees them though? He saw them at the wagon, he saw but he them doesn't the see them in in yeah. in, in, in delic whatever. Uh, and, and fly. God dang it! I thought I was going to be able to pull it. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, yeah. We both know what we're trying to say. It's all Italian words. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's interesting because it is so much more a like sweaty noir like adulterous affair. Like it is like there's more passion in the other version. And this is, I don't know. It's it's like she. She has accepted this guy as her best option. You yeah, know, and, and he's better than Wayne. Pool. He's better mm-hmm. than Wayne. And, and maybe Blood Bucky. Simple has a little bit of that too, I guess, but definitely not. Well, to when the you're extent. in a small town, your options are limited. Exactly. Correct. And, and that is like, I guess, subtext in Blood Simple. And this, it like feels much more like she does. Does she really love this guy? Hard to say. Does she, Lee, I mean, hard to say. He's nice, though. Or is he and out? Yeah. He's just, he's nice. And that's he'll, good. He'll enough. definitely do. He will do. Yeah. And maybe he'll That'll help. Do. Maybe he'll help with an escape patch. Yeah. Whereas uh, you're right, though, that like, despite Wang's wife being not given a name in the credits, she does kind of force things along a little bit more than Francis McDormand in yeah. Blood Simple. And I, I think that is an, an interesting and, you know, kind of adaptation choice that yeah, strengthens the story a little. There's this way in which Blood Simple, I mean, it just feels like fate has allowed this thing to unfurl. Yeah. The, yeah. Or, you know this chaos theory of, of society has mm-hmm. allowed these events to unroll. And here it does feel uh, pushed along. Yeah. People are making choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and furthering this, this caper. Good point. Um, there is, you mentioned masculinity and we do sort of have, you know, uh, four guys to look at. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so funny how often a woman's story is still filled with a bunch of dudes, but anyway, We'll, we'll carry on. Uh, we got Wang. We got Bucky. Sorry, man. I can't I can't pull the name and the credits are not very. The, this movie is not like well documented online. No. At least on the English speaking Internet. It really doesn't have a lot of uh, resources, unfortunately. Right. Uh, Lee and then the cop. Mm-hmm. So those are four guys. And really, none of them is a good I mean, Bucky's the closest to, like, a good guy, and yeah. is still, like... Lee's a pretty good guy. Lee's a decent guy. Yeah, he's a decent guy. I guess they're... They are... Nobody is, like, what is being expected. Yeah, Lee's problems, he's not manly enough. Exactly. Right. Every, they're they're the, all, like, have an inherent flaw. Yeah. Bucky's, like, Do- dopey. dopey and too simple to be taken seriously. And then and Wang is... Also can't be... Wang is a lecherous old, old drug addict. I mean, the other woman that works there is kind of the most normal of the bunch, right? Yeah. She's, yeah, like... Yeah. I'm staying out of this. I don't want any trouble. I don't want to rob anybody. I just want to do my job. And yeah. she's tripping over her bags, getting out of Dodge, you know, at the end, which mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting that it Bucky is like, I feel terrible that I can't think of that character's <laughs> name. I, I don't lo- know that he has a name, unfortunately. To, I, I love I calling him Bucky. I'm just so happy. Anyway. It's it, easy to remember who is who when you call them yeah, by their it, physical traits. Yeah, well, and that's, you know, <laughs> leads us down some problematic paths, you know, unfortunately. We worse. We could have really fucked it up even worse. You're right. right. So. My point is, though, he, he, like, ends up much like a Coen Brothers movie. It is, like, the pursuit of money that, like, keeps pulling yes. him into the darker mm-hmm. movie. Right? He could stay in the screwball comedy. Yeah. And, like, I like that. he keeps getting getting pulled back to the safe and that's you know of course the cop is also trying to get into the safe because the evidence of his frame up is there which is same as blood simple you know we've got a piece of crucial evidence that goes missing and is is no no nowhere to be found the placement of a lighter yeah yeah Uh, where in this case it's you know 
stabbed clothing. Stabbed clothing. And then eventually the pipe, the pipe becomes oh, the lighter. That's right. right. That's right. You know, and so sure. the opium pipe. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, fun how we see things swapped out. I mean, you can definitely kind of picture them writing the movie being like, okay, like going kind of like, all right, do we like a bullet point sort of these are the elements of blood simple and like, how will we put our spin on it? It's, mm-hmm. it's very cheeky in, yeah. in those ways. Um, yeah. Back to Mrs. Wang though. Uh, it's very similar to blood simple and yet is like more overtly about escaping abuse than it is, you know, about, you know, trying to get with the new guy. Right. It's, it's definitely, you know, more overtly like, an well, evil she's dude. trying to escape the murder plot too. She, yeah. she knows the frames are going on and the various frame jobs. You know, you have the same scene where the other guy kills the husband mm-hmm. and then the lover gets complicit because he thinks she did it. You mm-hmm. know, all of that's identical. Yeah. And so in burying the body, he finishes the job. Well, and then Francis McDormand slash Wang's wife, uh, killing the cop slash, mm-hmm. uh, right. What's his name? The final and standoff. Walsh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the final standoff is verbatim. Like, right. yeah. shot for shot, note for note, pretty much the same thing, and goes out in kind of a similar, like... But she does, uh, as you say, though, the, the the sort of driving part of the narrative in Blood Simple is very much her trying to get a, get get out from under the events, mm-hmm. as opposed to this is a woman trying to get out of this terrible relationship. Yeah. And, uh, yes. Yeah, and I think that holds true. Yeah. Um, but again, you know... You've seen one of these movies. You've seen both of them. Yeah. There, there is not like a huge departure going on. Um, is, is there any notes that we feel like are worth hitting that we haven't hit that, you know, maybe we didn't hit on our first talk of Blood Simple I mean, a few that's months the thing, ago? Is, is, <laughs> it feels a little thin when you don't have the Blood Simple stuff because you've already talked about the Blood Simple stuff very, very recently. Yeah. So um, I don't know that I have anything else. We can go ahead and pull into the station if you wish and render a verdict on a woman, a gun, and a noodle shop. A.K.A. a simple noodle story. What say you, Arthur? What do you say? Shelf or trash for this? And- I, I am just going to very gently uh, put this in the trash. Uh, you know, it's it's not offensive. Um, but again, and again, holding it in the light next to Blood Simple really, you know, hinders it, I think. Um, I think it's a cool experiment. I think it's a cool idea. Um, it's always interesting uh, when people want to try to retell stories and maybe add something new to them. And there's a lot to like here, but at the end of the day, um, I think you can skip on this one. So very good, very good. What do you say, Dalton? Yeah, it's not Jang Yimou's best work mm-hmm. for sure. It's it's definitely skippable fun. You know, if you're mm-hmm. if you're really into the Cohen coaching tree, mm-hmm. check it out. But yeah, I'm I'm with Art. You know, you're fine. Of the recent remakes of a re- a remake of something recent into another culture, it's one of the better ones. Mm. But that's not exactly a good thing to start with, and so I'm still going to go ahead and put it in the trash. I think it's one of the better ones. I think it's better than um, let the let me in. Mm-hmm. I think it's better than girl the dragon tattoo. But mm. I well okay we 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 can arm wrestle about. I don't that. know. It's better than either of those movies. Uh, I don't know. It's shorter than both of them. <laughs> show is. You're not wrong. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying. <laughs> and that is a value added right there. Um, I enjoy it a lot. I do like Yamu a lot, too. I mean, one of my favorite yeah. movies of all time is by this director. So maybe that's why I'm a little bit you know, more forgiving of it. But I'm still going to try Shrek. It. Shrek? I didn't know he directed Shrek. That is not one of my favorite I mean, that's... Movies. No, you're so famous for your love of Shrek. Oh, you're I always mean. talking about it. That's why you're so popular with the Zoomers. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> you and your Shrek memes constantly talking about that green ogre from the swamp. All the time. Uh, if you if you want to tell us why we're wrong about all of our reading of A Woman, A Gun, and a Noodle Shop, Dalton will tell you how. Yes, you can let us know your thoughts on A Simple Noodle Story, 
slash woman again in a noodle shop or even Dustin's, you know, uh, Shrek fanfic. Whatever you're into, <laughs> hit us up. Good trash genre cast at gmail.com. And Fiona Rose from the swamp. The mud. Waffles aren't the only thing happening in the morning. That's right. You both are ready to go. <laughs> the too. mud glistening on her body. Oh my yeah. God. All right. All right. Let's, let's, donkey. let's. <laughs> donkey. <laughs> Uh, what else? Uh, we're on socials know. at Good Trash Media. Um, we're not really posting actively because Twitter is now X, uh, and Instagram is a less word centric medium, and we can't be pulling posters for every single movie. And Dalton's still trying to figure out threads. I'm still trying to figure out threads, but you know, we're at Good Trash Media if you want to find us online. I'm Dollywood Squares if you want to find me. Um, I'm posting stuff. You guys want to share your letterbox? We haven't done that in a long time. I'm yeah, <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm just you know I sprung that on you. Sorry, I, think, I am at the Arthur Gordon over on Letterbox. I think you're just Dustin Sells on Letterbox. I, I think that's what I am. Yeah, I can't. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I think I'm just Dustin Sells. I can't <laughs> yeah. even find out where it is. So I'm opening the app right now. Oh my god, he's yeah, 150 years old. When you find the guy that rated uh, Renfield and Mo- Morbius both at four stars, you'll have found Dustin. <laughs> that is not correct. He just loves vampires. He rated what one of those movies four stars. I'll let you guess which one. It's probably Renfield. It was. Did you like? Did you like Morbius though? Were you? No. Did you? Did you have a good Morbin time? He had a good time. With I it. had a good time. I laughed a lot. I he enjoyed it. Yeah, I laughed a lot. Don't that. let him lie. I was with him in the room when we watched it. He, he liked it. He had a good time. I, I had a good time. Hey, bad doesn't mean not fun. Correct. Uh, True. Anyway, good trash media. Uh, he's. <laughs> I'm trying to take his film credit. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. Yeah, if you want to see his weird letterbox takes, he doesn't post everything he watches, but he's Dustin Sells on there. He's at the Arthur Gordon. I'm Dollywood Squares. Uh, find us over on Letterboxd and on all the bullshit. Uh, last but certainly not least, you can help support this show. Keep the lights on over at patreon.com forward slash GTM. We just got a brand new patron from in the form of uh, Brady. Boone Brady. Boone Brady. I always forget, like, I know him online mostly, so I don't gotcha. know what yeah. order his name's going. Boone, Boone Brady. Brady. Nice guy. Uh, local musician. Cool. Um, check him out. Thanks, um, Boone. He, yeah. I'm glad you like the show, man. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the money, and welcome to the flock. Will he be picking a film for us at any uh, point? He will not be. He will not. As of right now. Will we be sending him a film? Mm, I don't know. That's I don't okay. think so. All right. That's fine. But it's okay. Those are the things. That's okay. He's complimented our sound. And that's, hey, thanks and that's for that. all thanks to patrons like you, Boone Brady, and Keithan, and Brigham, and whoever else is listening Taylor right now. Taylor and everybody. That's right. Yeah, both of you. There are more. There, there are literally... Tens of them. Hey, we are the 175th <laughs> most popular movie podcast in Finland. Uh, I haven't been getting charting, chartable updates, so I don't know if it still holds true or not. No, probably not. And it's this sort of loose banter that gives us that that high rating. You know, I'm it's certain. this sort of like homey this is feel. What people came for. Exactly. They want that behind the scenes look. We're not keeping a tight ship over here. It's kind of a leaky dinghy, in fact. But we're having a great time. <laughs> that's what they called Dustin in high school. That's right. It's, I t- oddly I enough, that's what they called me in college. How to take penicillin shots? Uh, <laughs> good trash. Media on the socials, patreon.com forward slash GTM. That's what you need to know. Next week, we continue a series of coincidences. Am I wrong, Arthur? You are not. The snowy small town setting familiar to the Coens lead us to the small fishing town in New England when we take on Blow the Man Down. She shanties abound next week. There will be singing. We'll talk more. Uh, You keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time.